Hello and welcome back to the Yeshua Judaism series of discussions. This will be part two in our discussion of vicarious atonement, origins and correct understanding, what rabbinic Judaism conceals and Christianity misrepresents. Now we ended part one where we were just about to jump into a discussion of how the best defense of the New Testament is a Torah offense. The key to defending against a Jewish-based countermissionary is to meet that countermissionary on his turf and to engage him using Judaism's own teachings. If a follower of Yeshua tries to engage them on Christianity's turf, the results will be disastrous far the follower of Yeshua, far the Christian if it's a Christian. One must be willing to take a position utilizing the vast wealth of material available for study from Judaism's own teaching. Basically, a person must use the Torah as taught within Judaism, that is, Akiva or Rabbinic Judaism, to prove the New Testament to be true. And it can be done. But since Christianity is firmly and irrevocably anti-Torah and thus Torah ignorant, Christianity is poorly armed for such a struggle. The winning strategy is to carry the battle out of the territory of Christianity's defects, distortions, and anti-Torah foundations and into the territory of Torah truth. If it were not possible to utilize the Torah to prove the truth and efficacy of the New Testament, I would flee from the New Testament today. I would not be a follower of Yeshua if that were not possible. However, it is not only possible, but the more I study Rabbinic Judaism's Torah interpretations, the stronger my faith in the New Testament becomes. Ironically, as displeasing as it may sound to them, Rabbinic Judaism's rabbis unintentionally prove the legitimacy of the New Testament. Basically, Christians lose debates with Jewish-based countermissionaries because of their gross ignorance of Torah and, of course, because the doctrines of Christianity are so terribly wrong and deviate drastically from what is actually taught in the New Testament. If Christians would rightly embrace and adopt Torah into their lives, they would find themselves not only winning debates with Jewish kind of missionaries, but also establishing more common ground with such Jews within Rabbinic Judaism. Even if agreement were not reached in such debates, there could perhaps at least be a closer fellowship and mutual respect. Now, I'm about to mention the Talmud, so let me define Talmud. The Talmud is the central text of Rabbinic Judaism. It is sometimes referred to as Shas, a Hebrew abbreviation of Shishah Sederim, or the Six Orders. It is composed of the Mishnah, and the Gemara. The Gemara is commentary on the Mishnah. 
Scholars generally agree that it was completed sometime within the 6th or 7th century CE. The term Talmud normally refers to the Babylonian Talmud, though there is also an earlier collection known as the Jerusalem Talmud. Now, it's very important for you to, for you to know, Christian, the Talmud is the central text of Rabbinic Judaism, not the Bible. And any rabbi or rabbinic Jew who tells you otherwise is not giving you the truth. In yeshivas or Torah study schools, you don't go into a Torah study school or a yeshiva and find copies of the Bible and people studying that Bible. No. You find copies of the Talmud, perhaps Rambam's Mishnah Torah and other things. That is what they're studying. They're studying the opinions of their rabbinic sages. They're not studying the Bible. They're not studying even the Torah, the first five books of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. That's not what they're studying. If they say they are, they're liars. They're blatant liars. They're Talmud. Is their Bible, their, the opinions of their sages, is the teachings of God to them. Rabbinic Judaism, Akiva Judaism, very definitely establishes their sages, and by implication and by extension, the rabbis themselves as God. Whatever their Tanaim, Amarim, the original, the most revered sages of Rabbinic Judaism said, Whatever their opinions are, and thus by extension, since the rabbis today carry on that tradition, they have made themselves God. That is a fact, and it is despicable, but it is so true. I could go on and on and on about this. In rabbinic Judaism, the eternal creator God's words are not the final matter. The rabbi's words are the final matter. That is a fact, and it's actually even an established takanot, or an established rabbinic decree. They established as a decree that not even a voice from heaven, a batkol, can overrule the opinion of rabbis. God speaking from heaven will not overrule the opinion of the rabbis. They literally, literally usurp God. They literally do. And that, because of that, Yeshua particularly, constantly, purposely violated rabbinic dictates. Takanot, Gezerot, Ma'asim. He violated rabbinic dictates that existed at the time and are far more numerous now. And they hated him for it. And they still hate him for it. Remember that. That is why they hated him. For instance, every miracle Yeshua performed, almost every miracle, intentionally violated a rabbinic dictate, a halakhic element of oral Torah that is added to, in this case, that oral Torah is added to the written Torah. Yeshua never, ever violated the Torah, but he persistently violated rabbinic authoritarianism, and they despise him. They despise him. One rabbi, as I've mentioned a few times in other podcasts, actually teaches, and he's not the only one, it is taught within rabbinic Judaism that Yeshua is boiling in human 
feces in hell and Gehenom. Yeshua is boiling in human crap in Gehenom. And then you ask, well, why is that? The rabbi gave the answer, why? Because he disrespected the rabbis. So my friend, within rabbinic Judaism or Akiva Judaism, they know this to be the fact. They know that their hatred of Yeshua is largely based on his disrespect for the rabbis who consider themselves and still consider themselves to be God. They consider their teachings to be God's teachings. Yeshua disrespected that because it says directly in the Torah, you're not to add to or subtract from God's mitzvot, God's commandments. Yet rabbinic Judaism has added thousands. And Yeshua rebuked them for it and made a show of them openly. As it says in Colossians 2 verse 14, he nailed to the cross their rabbinic decrees. And they hate him for that with a deep hatred. And that's why they hate the New Testament. Because he exposed their their authoritarian arrogance and how they were usurping the authority of God. Remember, in one case, the rabbis came to him and said, why do you not keep the traditions of man, okay, or, or violate the Torah by, oh, what was it? I'm trying to paraphrase it. Basically, they asked Yeshua, why was he not, not keeping Torah by violating traditions? And he pointed back, and the word there in the Hebrew would have been takanot. He, then he responded, why do you violate Torah with your takanot? They were literally usurping Torah. Now, I'm, I'm rambling here and going off on a tangent, but this is something that just is just despicable. If people really knew, and I, I, I feel very sorry for rabbinic Jews. I really do. I really do. I, I truly mourn for people who are under the authoritarian tyranny of rabbinic Jews because they never hear the truth, because they're forbidden from studying on their own and drawing their own conclusions. That is forbidden in Judaism. You cannot draw your own conclusions. You must, you must adhere to the rabbinic sages' opinions because in, in rabbinic Judaism, they are God. It is a religion that was set up. It was established primarily in the late 1st, early 2nd century after the temple destruction when they just exploded their authoritarianism since the temple was gone and, and uh, the priestly liturgy was gone, other things were gone. So that's when it was created. It was restructured into a religion of raw authoritarianism with the rabbis as dictators, with the rabbis, with the rabbis as giving God's teachings. The word of God in Judaism is the word of the rabbis. So, like I said, they studied the Talmud and other rabbinic opinion things, other writings from rabbis. That is what they study in yeshivas, people, Christians. They do not study the Bible. They do not study the Tanakh. You go into a yeshiva, you may think, well, they have a Bible, but it just wants the New Testament. And that's what they study. They study a Bible without the New Testament. No, that's not what they do. They study rabbinic material. The rabbis are God in rabbinic and Akiva Judaism. All right, I've rambled far too long. I've, I've got to get back on track here. Okay, so that was my uh, uh, rant 
hopefully I'll try to I'll try to restrain myself. But uh, if 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 Christians, if you knew how bad it is, most Christians have no idea. And strangely and unfortunately, most people who end up I've known people do this. I've known people who will be drawn into and seduced by the appearance the appearance of faith within rabbinic Judaism, it seems and appears like there's so much devotion, there's so much love of God. No, no. Their God, the teachings they call the teachings of God are the teachings of the rabbis. And unfortunately, since they do not know how bad it is, people who are seduced by it, they have no idea how bad it is. And they get lulled into it because of the appearance of godliness. They have a form of godliness, an appearance of godliness, but it's not truth because they make their rabbis God. And sadly, once a person is lured into it, they become indoctrinated themselves. So that's why I do not hold back. I will not hold back from rebuking the arrogant authoritarian tyranny of rabbis who literally and willfully usurp the authority of Yehovah Elohim, the authority of the Almighty God. They do it willingly and don't care because they're looking for power and honor and respect. And so they don't think twice about pushing aside God's teachings and replacing it with their own. That's what Takanot are. That's what Durabanans are to a very large extent. Now I'm talking here about the legal aspects, the halakhic. And if you go listen to Oral Torah, you'll understand the Oral Torah series, part in an 11-part series. The halakhic legal decrees are what I'm primarily talking about. They usurp the authority of God. They overrule and push aside the teachings of God, and add their own and replace his with their own. They subtract what they want, they add what they want, and they've been doing it for over 2,000 years. They were actually doing it before Yeshua, but once the temple was destroyed, it became just ridiculous. It became horrible. Rabbinic Judaism is a false religion that does not follow the Bible, not even the Hebrew Bible. Okay. All right. Let me jump back into the discussion here. <laughs> All right. So, I defined the Talmud. I was talking about how if you want to debate a Jewish kind of missionary, you got to base what I was basically trying to get across. You got to approach them on their level, meaning you've got to approach them using their material, not Christianity's material, because Christianity, Christianity's material is so horrible. Uh, you're just not going to be able to win any debates. Now, and there are there's a lot of material. Now, as I say in the oral tour discussion, other than the legal halakhic things, other than the, the Rabbanans, the Takanot, the Gazrot, the Minhag, uh, the, the Masay, Masim, and all that, other than that, Ju- Rabbinic Judaism stuff is, a- is outstanding, very good. Their Agadah, their, their non-legal teachings, if you eliminate the elitism and a few other things, are absolutely superb. And if you use that material, if you study and use that material, books such as The Way of God and Knowing God's Plan by Moshe Kalmazato, uh, The Path of the Just, 
uh, again, Moshe Kanazato, uh, the uh, in the shadow of the ladder, the material from uh, Rabbi Yehuda Levishlag. Uh, there are books from different Musar books, the ways of the Tzadikim, uh, the guide to uh, to serving God, duties of the heart. I mean, on and on. There's just outstanding material out there. Even the Tanya, uh, you can use. There's material there in the Tanya. Uh, if you read from material from the Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, if you read material from the Gaon of Vilna, you know, there, there's stuff out there within Judaism from revered sages that actually supports the New Testament. And you'll hear just a snippet of it within these, these discussions, primarily from the way of God, by Moshe Kalamazato, that directly supports vicarious atonement, and I mean precisely supports it. And we'll probably get into that in parts three or four. So that was my point. Using their own material, you can win any debate with a counter-missionary from Judaism who tries to sow falsehood by saying that they do not teach or believe in vicarious atonement. Any rabbi who tells you that is either an idiot who doesn't even know his own religion or a liar. And most probably the latter, a liar. So, now there are some Christians who may use the entirety of Torah, both the written and the oral, for study. A few, very few Christians, but, but they may do that. But they also often do so incorrectly, ignorantly, and with evil intent. Motivated by their ferocious bias, that is, now I'm talking about a typical Christian. Motivated by such, you know, such a Christian is motivated by ferocious bias. And they strive to find ridiculous and offensive material that is, that is present, that can be found within the Talmud and, and other Jewish sources. They then use that material as weapons against Jews and Judaism. Now, I'm not talking about what I've been, I'm not talking about stating facts and, and just to illustrate Judaism's errors. I'm talking about there are Christians out there who may study a little bit of Torah, both the written and the oral Torah, but their reason for studying, the only reason they will study it, is to basically sow anti-Semitic discord, is to basically spew hatred toward Jews. That's the only reason they study it. They won't change their belief. They won't embrace Torah. That's not what they care about. They're never going to, such Christians, they don't want to embrace Torah. They only try, they only study and search for material that they can use to foster anti-Semitism. That's all they do. Now, someone like me, I study Torah to learn Torah. But when I find material that supports the New Testament, and there's a lot of it, a lot of it within rabbinic Judaism's own teachings, a lot of material supports the New Testament, I find that and I connect dots. I'm trying to, to find truth, so I connect the dots. That's why I believe the New Testament. I literally believe the New Testament because of what I've discovered within Judaism. I, I mean that honestly. My faith is strengthened enormously because of what I found in rabbinic Judaism's own teachings. That's why I'm so absolutely certain of my faith in Yeshua and of the New Testament because of what Judaism teaches. But of course, counter-missionaries 
conceal that material. They don't want their fellow Jews to know about those things. They don't want their fellow Jews to know how much material there is out there in Judaism's own material that lends credibility to the New Testament. Oh, they don't want that. Uh-uh, don't do that. But the Christians, though, who study simply to foster anti-Semitism, besides being wicked and contributing to anti-Semitism and Jewish persecution, there is also another major flaw in such a strategy from such anti-Semitic Christians. That is, that such study rarely contributes to anything to support their own beliefs. It doesn't even support the New Testament. They're not looking to find support for their beliefs, such anti-Semitic Christians. All they do is expose some questionable teachings of Judaism, or more commonly, expose the inability of themselves to understand how oral Torah is to be studied, what it is really teaching, and the wide variation of opinion it presents. The unholy and nefarious tactics of such anti-Semitic Christians contribute nothing to proving the New Testament teachings to be legitimate. But they don't care, because those who use such tactics seek only to hurt Jews and Judaism. Their motives are evil, purely to cause damage, and of the worst sort of Lashon Hara, or evil talk. Discovering truth is not the goal of such a Christian. Their sole intent is to foster anti-Semitism and hatred. Well, bitter justice awaits such people in the hereafter. Very bitter justice. Now, people like myself on the other hand, do not search for information that will incite anger, though I realize that at times it does cause resentment since it is impossible to state truth without someone getting offended. Therefore, instead, people like myself, when I study, I seek agreement within rabbinic Judaism's material between it, that material, and what is found within the New Testament. And there is a lot of agreement. As I said, I look to connect the dots. I'm trying to find truth. And through studying the oral Torah of rabbinic Judaism, my faith in the New Testament has been enormously strengthened and built up. Within my discussions, that is, on the Torah Messiah website or here in the podcast, you will be hard-pressed to find intentional inflammatory rhetoric. That is, rhetoric, inflammatory words that are only for the purpose of inflaming. Now, I will mention things because it needs to be exposed. I will expose things such as the teaching that Yeshua is boiling in human theses, how that is found taught by some rabbis in Judaism. I will expose the teaching within rabbinic Judaism that the goy, non-Jew, is an inferior human species. I will present that. I will present things, perhaps examples of Takanot, Gezerot, and Minhag, Basically, how the Durabanans, rabbinic decrees, usurp God's authority. There are things like that I will present, but I don't do it just to be inflammatory. I do it to expose their errors. And I often am accused of being an anti-Semite because of, frankly, and I mentioned this in another podcast, the double standard. There's a double standard. People, particularly those who believe in Yeshua and follow the New Testament, what are roughly called messianics, they do not want to say anything bad about Judaism. No, no, keep quiet, keep quiet. Uh-uh. 
No, don't talk about how they curse the followers of Yeshua every day in the synagogues. Don't talk about all these things. No, no, don't mention it. I will mention it. I, I'm going to apply an equal balance, which, by the way, that's in the Torah. You're supposed to apply, apply an equal balance. So these people who, who uh, throttle the voices of those who simply want to ex- just expose the errors of Judaism, those who try to, to censor anyone who says anything ne- negative about Judaism— those people are not applying equal balance. They don't care. Now, they'll sit there and gladly let non-Jews be smeared. Goyim, they say nothing about the Birkat, meaning curse, which curses the followers of Yeshua. No, let them do it. They say nothing about the grotesque elitism within Judaism. No, let them do it. They apply a double standard. And I want to elaborate because there is a, a separate podcast where I discuss that, a separate audio, if you search for it, about the double standard. So... I look for information in Rabbinic Judaism's Oral Torah to learn and to try to understand, for instance, the New Testament better, and I do because of that. And you will have a hard time finding inflammatory rhetoric within my discussions that are that's put forth purely, purely for the purpose of inflaming. If you do... It is only to highlight again and to prove the extremely elitist underpinnings and exclusivity of rabbinic Judaism or Akiva Judaism and to illustrate the obvious, the very obvious superiority of the teachings of the New Testament, which I call Yeshua Judaism. Yeshua Judaism is clearly, clearly superior to Akiva Judaism or rabbinic Judaism. Anyone who looks at it without bias will arrive at that conclusion. But, of course, a rabbinic Jew cannot possibly look at it without bias. And they won't until Yeshua returns to correct them, at which time they very definitely will. That superiority, that is, the superiority of Yeshua Judaism, is blatantly obvious to anyone who truly possesses an equal level of love and concern for all mankind. I discuss Yeshua Judaism in an article that or a discussion in a podcast where I contrast Yeshua Judaism versus Akiva Judaism. I show the contrast there, and that's actually more of an introductory article. And you'll see the differences. And again, I just kind of throw it out there as an initial uh, discussion to, for so people can distinguish between Yeshua Judaism, the original faith of the New Testament, and Akiva Judaism, which is commonly known as Rabbinic or Orthodox Judaism. And again, it's a four-part series where I contrast those two Torah faiths. And I intend to hopefully add to such discussions within the podcast. Now, what is Yeshua Judaism? Very quickly, Yeshua Judaism is a term I use to properly define the true Torah faith Yeshua was sent by God to promote. He, that is Yeshua, and his original followers sought to reestablish what was and has since become more so a perversion of Torah. It, had, it was a perversion of Torah then, which is why Yeshua in his miracles often violated purposely rabbinic dictates, which of course are not part of the authentic Torah, and the elitism. So it was a perversion then, it's even worse now. So he and his original followers tried to reestablish the truth of Torah, 
that had become so corrupted. They also sought to reinstill the true intent of Yehovah's or God's Torah within Israel, to reinvigorate it by ridding it of its severe elitism, which had occurred due to the extremely elitist mindset of rabbinic Judaism's leaders, of the Pharisees at that time, and to spread it to all nations and peoples of the world instead of among only the Jews, as is taught by rabbinic Judaism's elitist leaders then and now. Yeshua's efforts to reestablish, reinstill, reinvigorate, and spread Torah universally is the primary reason why, then and now, he and his initial followers were and still are hated within rabbinic Judaism, which itself was birthed by those elitist Pharisaic leaders of the first century. What is commonly called Judaism today is a faith that is actually based upon the biased opinions of a specific highly esteemed man, Rabbi Akiva, and a small number of his followers whose opinions are found within the Mishnah and numerous other writings of the sages. One of those followers, Rabbi Yehuda the Prince, an individually acquired, parsed, and ultimately compiled the Mishnah, the Gemara, which is also based on the biased opinions of that Akiva-based sect within Judaism and which represents commentary on the Mishnah, was subsequently added to the Mishnah to become the Talmud, upon which Judaism today is totally based. Today's Judaism can legitimately be called Akiva Judaism or Akivaism. Okay, Pandora's box. When the facts presented within this series of discussions are brought into a discussion with a Jewish-based counter-missionary, it opens what to them is a Pandora's box that they wish could be closed. They wish that they could close that box. They do not want you to know what you're going to hear in this series of podcasts. They hate it. No, please. They don't want you to, know, to hear what you're going to hear in these podcasts. And so that's a Pandora's box to them. And it's material that for which they have no rebuttal, since to do so would require them to declare rabbinic Judaism's own teachings to be incorrect. They would literally have to reject major teachings within rabbinic Judaism's own oral Torah. The material you're going to hear in this, in this series, that's what they have to do if they refute it. They have to literally oppose their own teachings. So what they do instead, often, is they hope to change the subject or suggest that the understanding of the material is, is, is erroneous, that we're understanding it incorrectly. However, as you will see when we continue on with parts three and four, as you will see, Rabbinic Judaism's teachings, or Akiva Judaism's teachings, are very direct and clear regarding the topic we're discussing now, vicarious atonement. It is very simple to understand what they say. There is no misunderstanding. And to prove it, I will be quoting directly from a very respected Jewish resource, actually multiple sources. 
I should add that I could quote from many more Jewish sources, but I do not fancy the, fancy the idea of making this discussion into a lengthy book. Suffice it to say, vicarious atonement is very strongly supported within rabbinic or Akiva Judaism, particularly within Hashkafa and Kabbalah, the deeper elements of Torah, parts of oral Torah that unveil more of the hidden meanings and deeper meanings of passages within scriptures. However, within such material, they do not always label it as vicarious atonement, even though what they discuss is precisely the same thing. They may not call it vicarious atonement. They may call it the power of a tzaddik or the atonement of a tzaddik or whatever, but it's the exact same thing, and you'll hear it. You will hear within this series what I mean. Now, I want to emphasize now, it's, it's a long series. The Oral Torah series of podcasts is 11 parts. But it would be useful for you to listen to it, or at least to some of it, at least. Uh, because I do not want to give the opinion. See, a Christian listening to this may think that I, I fully support all the oral Torah of rabbinic Judaism. I do not. I do not. As I, and as I stated earlier, as I was ranting about rabbinic authoritarianism and their tyranny, I very much reject their Takanot, Gezrot, Minhak. I reject their Durbanis, their rabbinic decrees, their rabbinic dictates that are not found in the Bible. They're added commandments that are, they have commandments, they add and add and add and add and add and add and add, et cetera, et cetera, add and add. There's so many of those, it's ridiculous. There are books, the Shokan Aruch, there's different books that are generally just the commandments, the rabbis added to the Torah, even though God himself forbade that. They don't care what God says. They don't care that God said do not add to or take from. Whatever. They're going to do it anyway because in rabbinic Judaism, this is another fact, and I point this out in the Akiva Judaism and rabbinic Judaism contrast material. It's taught that once God gave the Torah to Moses, he gave the Torah to Israel, it ceased to be his Torah, and it became their Torah. Since it's their Torah, they can do with it what they wish. That's basically the mindset within Rabbinic Judaism, Akiva Judaism. It's their Torah. And it is even taught in Rabbinic Judaism that Yehovah, God, must now submit to their interpretations of Torah. That whatever the rabbis decide, God himself, the creator, according to Judaism, must abide by their opinions, their decrees. People, if that's not usurping God's authority, I don't know what is. But that's what is taught in Akiva Judaism. Now, so I do not support all the oral Torah. As I said earlier, it's mainly the non-legal aspects, and it, I go into much more depth within the oral Torah series. So as you listen to this, and as I talk about oral Torah, as I elevate and talk about the, the good parts of oral Torah, and as I use primarily oral Torah within this discussion, remember, I am not saying you should accept everything that is taught. That's not what I'm saying. Especially and primarily the halakhic stuff, the legal stuff, that 
is the least, the very least useful material within Judaism. Yet within Judaism, that is what they focus on. You know why? Because that's where the rabbis get their power. That's where the power of the rabbis resides, within the commandments they make up. So yeah, they hate people who violate their commandments, their derabanans, rabbinic decrees not found in Torah, which is one reason they killed and hated Yeshua, or they wanted to kill him. Actually, ultimately, the Gentiles killed him, not the Jews. People need to understand that. The Jews did not kill Messiah. The Gentiles did. The Romans did. But they definitely wanted him dead. The Pharisees wanted him. And these are Pharisees, not all Jews. Yeshua had thousands and thousands of followers. So, you anti-Semites, shut up. When you say the Jews killed Jesus, no, they did not. No, they did not. The Romans did. Now, yes, there was a, actually a minority, primarily of the arrogant, power-hungry, power-lusting Pharisees and corrupt Sadducees and priests. They wanted him dead. They basically delivered him to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, etc. But most of the Jews, the reason they had to do it in the middle of the night, basically, early, early, early morning, was so nobody could see them. They had to commit their lawlessness outside so no one could see them do it. Because if they had done it during the day, it would have been a riot. They, they, were, they would not have been able to take Yeshua in, in a crowd. The crowd would have fought the Pharisees, and they would have kicked their butts. So that's why they had to be sneaky about it. And not even all Pharisees. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. There are other, uh, Yosef of Arimathea was likely a Pharisee. There were Pharisees that believed in Yeshua. The Apostle Shaul, who, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee, etc. So don't be an anti-Semite and say the Jews killed Jesus, that the Jews killed Yeshua. They did not do it. The rabbinic Jews definitely wanted him dead and still do and are glad he is but he's going to return. And hopefully, since they're simply partially blinded, hopefully he'll forgive them just as Joseph, and he is Messiah ben Joseph. Yeshua is Messiah ben Joseph. Just as Joseph forgave his brothers for their treachery while he was acting as Pharaoh in behalf of Pharaoh, my hope is Yeshua will forgive his brothers for their treachery. I really hope he does that, and I think he will. But anyway, that's one reason I personally do not even make efforts to convert, to, to minister, or to talk to, to practicing Jews, because I don't consider it my job. Because I believe God has purposely blinded them for a reason, and that they will have that blindness lifted, and it's not going to be by me. It's going to be by Yehovah. When Yeshua returns, it'll be lifted. They will recognize him, just like once Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, they recognized him. Well, when Yeshua returns, Messiah ben Yosef Yeshua returns and, be, and returns as Messiah ben David and reveals himself to his brothers, they will recognize him. And all will be fine. All will be forgiven. But still, that does not diminish the need to point out the severe errors within rabbinic Judaism, Akiva Judaism. Most notably, their horrific elitism, their ridiculous durbanans, rabbinic decrees, and how they literally usurp the authority of God. In rabbinic Judaism, 
God is not God. The rabbis are God, and that's who they worship, the rabbis. So a little more regarding oral Torah. The subject of atonement is one of many examples. It's one of many examples of issues for which enormous value, enormous value, can be found within Judaism's literature, within rabbinic Judaism's literature. It is evidence of the urgent need for believers in Messiah to repent of their desecration of the eternal Creator through their rejection of His eternal teachings, the Torah. It exemplifies a need for Christians to lay aside forever their extreme bias against anything Jewish and to embrace Torah, since only by doing so will advancement of the coming kingdom of God, Yeshua the King Messiah, and the true teachings of the New Testament succeed. Only by embracing Torah will they truly advance the message of Yeshua. Only by embracing Torah will they truly advance the message of the New Testament. Because until they embrace Torah, they won't even understand the New Testament. And they don't understand the New Testament. Christianity is a pagan mess. It's a pagan, hypocritical mess. Christians don't even know. They're not following the New Testament. They're following the pagan Roman Empire based upon Mithraism and other sun god worship factors and religions. It's not what the New Testament teaches. And one reason they're not doing following the truth is because they rejected Torah. And once they rejected Torah, they couldn't understand what the New Testament teaches. And until they embrace Torah, all that Christianity will advance is continued Christian error and desecration of the eternal God through outright rejection of his teachings, his Torah. This is particularly true of the oral Torah of Judaism, which Christians spurn and consider traditions of men. They take specific negative references in the New Testament to, quote, traditions of men, or other such phrases, and then wrongly expand those, those phrases that what they think they mean, they wrongly expand it to ass- and assume that those negative content, excuse me, those negative comments apply to anything and everything within Judaism's oral Torah. They do not. They do not apply to anything and everything. Frankly, they generally apply only to the Rabbanans, the rabbinic decrees, the rabbinic dictates, that's generally the only thing they reply to, frankly, in the New Testament. I can't think of an example where that, that isn't the case. To claim that it is the case, to claim that any references to traditions of men applies to all of Torah, is completely wrong. It is misread reading the, the text, and it is misapplying that text from the New Testament. Truthfully, Christianity, Antipolist, and others do not actually reject the oral Torah. They simply reject those verbal teachings or oral Torah that conflict with their own. This is proven in the previous mentioned 11-part series where I discuss oral Torah and proof of its legitimacy and necessity. Now, let us pursue the proof of vicarious atonement found within that oral Torah of Judaism. I will be quoting from two books which Judaism, Rabbinic Judaism, highly reveres. As I stated earlier, there is actually much more proof to be found. However, 
what I provide should be enough for the purpose of this topic. I could quote from a lot more material, as I said earlier, but I'm limiting it because I want to limit the, the size of this series of discussions. There's no need to repeat myself. So I'm going to be quoting from two very firm, highly revered, much used sources within rabbinic Judaism or Akiva Judah. They use these sources all the time. I will begin by explaining a fundamental concept from within those sources, although there are hints found within the written Torah, the concept is most clearly seen within the oral Torah. That concept, which contributes to the vicarious atonement discussion, is the power of a tzaddik, or a tzaddik's merit. A tzaddik is roughly translated as a highly righteous person. The power of a tzaddik's merit. But I will pause here, and we will pick up there. So we will start part three. Please return for part three in this discussion of vicarious atonement, where we will begin jumping into the, the meat of the discussion, where the proof of Judaism's own support for, for vicarious atonement will be provided. That proof will be provided beginning with part three, where we begin to discuss the power of a tzaddik's or a tzaddik's merit. So please return to part three of our discussion of vicarious atonement, origins, and correct understanding, what rabbinic or Akiva Judaism conceals and Christianity misrepresents. So thank you for listening to part two, and please return for part three. Thank you, and goodbye.